Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I am Billy Embody. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot to get to today. We are going to reset the SMU recruiting board in the class of 2024 for you guys, as we are now under a week away from National Signing Day for this 2023 class. We've seen the SMU coaching staff hit the recruiting trail hard. They've been all over the place, truly from coast to coast. Uh, dishing out offers in the 2024, 2025 classes and beyond. And so this is a really good time to just sit back and take an early look at what to expect once the ink dries um, on the uh, letters of intent for uh, the class of 2023. So um, SMU currently sits uh, with one commitment in the class of 2024, and that's 2024 quarterback Tyler Aronson out of Vero Beach, Florida. Uh, He just wrapped up his junior season there at Vero, his first season at the school. Um, And I went back and watched some of his junior tape just before recording this, and I really like the way he stands in there. Um, He took multiple big hits on some of those throws, um, uh, hung in there, had good velocity on the ball, knows how to extend plays. Um, And I I feel like, you know, when you look back on his junior season, he finished completing 66% of his passes. His stats aren't j- jumping out at you in terms of you know pure yardage and things like that. Um, he did miss the final two games of the regular season and I believe two playoff games uh, with a thumb injury uh, that he's recovered from now. He just got back to throwing uh, this month. Uh, but you look at you know what he's able to put together uh, with his team. I mean, they were undefeated until the game he got hurt in uh, against Martin County. Um, and, and they ended up losing that one and, and they finish, finish out the season, um, you know, before he was able to get back from that injury. But they were an undefeated team in the state of Florida before he got hurt, playing a challenging schedule for the most part there. Um, some really familiar teams for me, you know, just being uh, from Florida, knowing some of the competition that he faces on a week to week basis. Um, and you look at some of the the you know, stats he's putting up. He's having games where he's averaging 17, 24, 21, 16 yards per, per um, yards per completion, uh, which is really, really impressive overall. Um, so you look at what he was able to do as a junior, again, his first season with the program. Um, he does have two young, promising wide receivers, one uh, a 2025 wideout, and then another, uh, a freshman, who just got offered by SMU shortly before we started recording the podcast in Ephraim White, uh, who has offers from all over uh, already. So those two are going to be another year older. When you look at Tyler Aronson and what he's going to be able to do as a senior, I have very high expectations for him. Um, In terms of kind of how you look at evaluating quarterbacks, one, uh, this is somebody that Rhett Lashley and and Johnny Brewer have known for quite some time. and, And most of the coaching staff, of course, you know, having been down, at Miami and recruiting him for quite some time, they went headfirst uh, into 2024 as as the top target, uh, as their top target with Tyler Aronson, um, and ended up getting his commitment. And uh, they've they've been on him. They've continued to visit the high school. Rhett Lasher was just there. Uh, this is somebody that they feel very very good about being that quarterback of the future uh, by the time he ends up at SMU. So. Um, 66% completion percentage as a junior is very, very promising, very good. Um, I would love to see that hover around 70% as a senior. Um, That's a really good indicator as far as what you're going to get from a quarterback. Um, I like his ability to move around. He showed the, the, 
you know, wherewithal to extend plays um, and also pick up some yardage. Uh, he's a bigger kid listed about 6'3", 210. Um, so this is a, a promising quarterback prospect that SMU has had a long time to evaluate with them having been at Miami and recruited him for quite some time. So uh, once they went, you know, uh, full blast on on getting Tyler Aronson, he jumped on board and SMU got their quarterback. He's a big piece to the future. Uh, they were on campus for, for multiple games this fall, um, if I'm remembering right, I, at least one for sure. Um, so this is uh, your first commitment in the class of 2024 and, and your um, most important one, having your quarterback on board. Um, so as SMU goes into the class of 2024, here's some early prevailing thoughts. And, and this, you know, coming from talking with a, a few folks uh, around the program, we saw them end up with right now, uh, I believe they have 16, um, maybe 17, but 16 uh, high school signees and commitments with LaModric Spencer. And you're going after Adam Moore, a Miami Northwestern receiver to finish out this 2023 class. And that's it. So you have 17. Uh, you could have 17 uh, by the time next Wednesday comes to a close. And next year, I do feel like they're going to be very selective in the high school ranks. And here's why. One, uh, we saw them flex their transfer portal muscle uh, in a big way, and they know they can get quality out of the transfer portal, even if it's somebody that maybe next year is more of, well, we know this former four-star or former uh, you know, big target for us in the high school ranks doesn't like it. He enters the portal uh, from whatever school, and he's young we can supplant uh, maybe an early departure from another recruiting class or um, jump on board uh, with us after a redshirt year at whatever program they're coming from and then get settled in and finish out their career with us at SMU. They've shown the ability now after this cycle to really hit home on those guys. I mean, you look at who they've picked up. Uh, they've picked up quite a few uh, difference makers from day one, but they've also added somebody like, a Jalen Davis Robinson, somebody that they're very familiar with who redshirted at LSU, has the measurables, has the speed. Well, he's homesick. Let's bring him back home. So I think there's part of that uh, that they do want to be selective um, about in high school recruiting because the transfer portal is there to kind of add in players that can compete right away. Just from a young player perspective, those are your guys that you know, instead of taking a high school guy that might be a reach, maybe you bring in a transfer portal guy who's a redshirt freshman and you can then play him on special teams right away versus getting him acclimated into college and doing all those things. So I do think they're going to be selective uh, on that front because of the portal. Two, I feel like SMU is at the point now where taking players that um, fill a scholarship spot in terms of making sure your numbers at certain positions are filled and, and you have depth is not where they want to be anymore. They want to be at the, well, we shot for the stars with, you know, a four star or a high three or somebody who's got tons and tons of attention who re we really like, or just trusting your evaluation in general and saying, we want to go all in on those kids versus maybe some internal debates um, happening on some other players. Let's all, you know, come around and agree we should be taking X player because he's 
going to be good. We really feel like he's going to be a difference maker down the stretch. He's not somebody to fill um, a, a spot as far as recruiting Dallas or keeping somebody from Texas home. No, let's go ahead and let's shoot for the stars out of the high school ranks um, so that you aren't left with some of these players that love SMU and stick around for four or five years and eat up a scholarship. Um, that is what in the past has really hurt SMU in a way is some of the uh, bottom, not even quarter, but bottom like 15% of the roster being guys they recruited uh, out of high school that were maybe a little re a few reaches and they stick around for four or five years. Uh, so that's part of the reason why SMU wants to be really selective going out of the high school ranks now. And it's, it's a reason why I feel like you look ahead to this 2024 class. It could be 12 to 15 prospects. They are kind of night and day in terms of the amount of players they're offering in this class of 2024. Last year, they kind of went on an offer spree when they got to campus. They had some of the staff assembled and they were just dishing out offers. Let's get SMU back in there in Texas. Um, there's offers down the list that, you know, you quite frankly, you, you see on there and you're like, okay, they're not going to go after so-and-so um, at a few different spots. But now they've settled in. They have their their way about them in terms of scouting and, and led by Alex Brown in that recruiting department, how they want to go about that. And I feel like it's a much more organized, much better process. They were just kind of flying by the seat of, them, seat of their pants. I feel like they're going to be more selective as far as who they offer. We've seen a couple guys that they've offered as of late that we'll touch on that are that are kind of more um, maybe haven't blown up yet, but but are players that they feel like they are. And and most of the offers in 2024 that have gone out this month as the staff has been on the road, they reflect that. You don't see many kind of like under the radar type of players getting offers um, this month from what I've seen. Um, so we're going to kind of run down some of the list of players that I feel like you should have an eye on as far as SMU goes. Uh, going down the list in, in this class. And I'll kind of take it position by position um, as as we kind of preview the class of 2024. And a uh, quick note, SMU not really doing junior days in January. They're going all in on March. They're going to have spring football in March. They want these guys to come around campus and hang out as much as possible instead of, um, you know, trying to battle and, and get somebody on campus in January, well, then maybe you don't get them back on in, in March because over the next month and a half or so, you're going to see colleges start to plant their flags. They'll either have had kids on campus, gotten a look at them in recruiting, um, or just they kind of see the way a recruitment's going and they'll fix their boards from there and be able to kind of you know pinpoint who they want to go in on. SMU will have a clearer picture after the month of January and as they're able to make contact with these prospects in February, just, you know, from afar, they're not, it's a dead period, but they'll get an idea of, okay, so-and-so wants to, um, you know, visit. So-and-so doesn't want to visit. We feel like we're in trail position here. We need to turn up the heat. We want to go all in for so-and-so. Uh, that's what they're going to be able to figure out as January comes to a close and they close the chapter on 2023, move on to 2024. So, Let's start at the running back position. And this is a position that SMU can be highly selective. And I feel like they're going to be in 2024 because they brought in LJ Johnson, because they brought in Jalen Knighton. Um, this is a, a group that 
looking down our list here, um, they've got double, they've got 12 running back offers out in the class of 2024 right now. I would say most of them are guys that are not going to end up at SMU, but I can tell you that a couple of them stand out to me. And we, we talked about Johan uh, Cardenas out of the Houston area uh, on a podcast, I believe in the fall, just kind of looking ahead. I think it was a mailbag one. And he was one that had been to SMU a couple of times. He ends up committing to Texas Tech. And I feel like now you kind of turn your attention uh, even more now to a local prospect in Harry Stewart out of Frisco Centennial. Really productive, four-star running back who has some big offers, but he's also been on campus a ton. And so you can kind of turn your guns on him and really press for him. He's somebody that stands out to me as a prospect that SMU – I still think can get uh, when it's all said and done. And you look at some of the recruiting that some of the schools on his list have done, they might be shooting just a tad higher um, than Harry Stewart, but still a very good back 5'10, 180, um, has some good verified stuff. I like him a lot. Uh, I feel like that's a guy that SMU should be pressing for that is right down the road, you know, 30 minutes from campus or so, depending on the time of day. And they can go after him and and kind of go all in. And they've had him on campus multiple times. Uh, they're also they're also looking at players like you know Jacob, Jacoby Williams out of Beckville. The staff has been by multiple times. Um, he's got a Texas offer. He's got some big offers out there. Um, but I can tell you this: uh, SMU loves him, and they're going to keep pressing and, and keep trying to swing away on that one. Um, it's just a matter of if they're going to be able to to kind of hang in there. I mean, he has some really big offers right now on his plate. Um, so again, it'll be interesting to see how the boards work out on that front. I think he's somebody that's going to be on the rise this spring. He might end up out of SMU's reach, but uh, I know the staff has been by Beckville now multiple times. So that just shows how big of a priority he is. When you look at the wide receiver position, this is a position group that um, has a 10 offers out. Some are probably completely off of SMU's radar. Uh, quite frankly, I mean, you have a Jeremiah Smith, who's a five-star committed to Ohio State um, from the state of Florida. He's not going to end up at SMU, obviously. Um, but you have others um, on there that are a little bit more local, that make a little bit more sense. Um, somebody like Lucas Lovejoy, wide receiver Parker Livingstone, uh, as a six-four pass catcher, does he end up giving SMU a look when his teammate Jackson Lavender um, is is already on campus and also – Dalen McCutcheon, the 2025 wide receiver, is a big target for SMU as well. Can they keep that pipeline going uh, at Lucas Lovejoy or, or really start to make it, I should say? He's a big body. Again, kind of how does uh, his recruitment shake out? Does a Texas press? Um, he's got a bunch of different options already on the table as well uh, as a high three-star. Um, but then Bryant Wesco is a new offer uh, out of Mid- Midlothian. He's a top uh, 50 prospect for on three in the class of 2024. Seems like TCU has the early footing here, but I'm going to be interesting to, interested to see what his recruitment looks like. I actually saw Bryant Wesco in battle My, at Battle Miami uh, this past weekend. We've got a bunch of stories that have been up on, uh, on theponyexpress.com for subscribers kind of breaking down that event. And Wesco is somebody that I feel like is still learning to play the position. He plays in a triple option offense, and he had a ridiculous uh, junior season for playing in that offense. But at the same time, uh, he was bottled up at this tournament here and there. He got open a few times, was able to make some plays. Uh, his team didn't necessarily have the best quarterback situation in this tournament. But 
Um, as far as like an SMU recruiting him, it would be a really good destination for him, allows him to develop. Um, and my fear with Bryant would be going to a bigger school right away and losing confidence that he's kind of gaining, but it's going to be such a jump and such a difference for him. Um, you're going to want to see him. I mean, I, I think a lower level could be more of that right play for him. Um, obviously, TCU with Sonny Dykes there is going to have a good record of developing receivers. You saw what they did this year. Um, they are probably at the top of his list right now. This is a battle that SMU is trying to get into. Um, he's somebody that just picked up an offer, is planning to get back to campus at some point, uh, and would be a massive land as a pure you know, red zone threat, somebody that can uh, develop into that next great receiver in my mind. He just needs to have it brought out of him a little bit more. So um, those are a couple of the receivers I want to highlight. It's, it's just honestly not a group right now that you sit there and say, well, that is your top flight target. That's who you're, they're going to go after, and that's who they pushed all their chips in on. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that group pan, uh, pans out. Uh, on the offensive line front, and this offensive line is now – I think a position that you can be highly selective with from the standpoint of PJ Williams is somebody who redshirted. So he's a redshirt freshman this year. Obviously he'll be a redshirt sophomore by the time uh, the class of 2024 gets to campus. But this is another group that we haven't seen too much go out in terms of offers. Uh, and, and I feel like the reason why is because they are um, in pretty good standing with who they're after, and who they want to push all their chips in on. Um, and I'll highlight a couple uh, for you guys. One, if you're looking to swing big, uh, if you're SMU, Casey Poe out of Lindale, Texas, is uh, a top 50 prospect overall. Rhett Lashley was by to see him this week. Uh, he's on the radar, um, a four-star. One of the, I believe he's the number two offensive uh, interior offensive lineman in the country uh, by on three. He's got some big offers. He's going to probably end up somewhere bigger, but you can keep swinging away with him. But if you're looking at a four-star lineman that SMU is going to have at least a chance with from what it seems like in the early goings, um, that is, um, that's Gibson Pyle, uh, who visited Duke uh, earlier this year, um, had, is another four-star for on three that SMU's after. And I feel like they've had him on campus, I want to say two to three times in the last year. So they're doing a good job with his camp and getting him up from the Houston area, from Klein Kane High School, um, to check out SMU. 6'5", 275 pounds, has some serious offers already on his plate, um, but is very much somebody that, um, you know, kind of fits into an SMU-type mold. Um, I could see him going to a Duke. I could see him going to a Stanford. Um, it's just a matter if SMU can pitch to maybe stay closer to home uh, and end up uh, playing for the Mustang. So those are the ones that I'll highlight. Um, I will say SMU did offer um, March uh, Schroller, uh, an offensive tackle from Mission Viejo, California. We know that SMU had success out in California getting Sean Scott out of there. Uh, they will have a little bit more of a difficult time on this one. Um, I traded some text with Mark earlier today um, before I jumped on uh, the podcast. Um, he's talked with Stanford, Cal, Boston College, Arizona State, and Arizona the most. 
Uh, he's set to check out Stanford for their junior day on Saturday. So a big 6'6", 270-pound lineman who's starting to pick up some serious recruiting attention right now. Um, but we'll see if SMU can get him to campus. The staff was by um, this week to see him and offer him. So that's the rundown on offensive line. I think tight end, um, it's funny, tight end does not have an offer out in the class of 2024. And I, I think that's probably the right move. Uh, they, they signed a boatload of them in the 2023 class. They're trying for one more hybrid tight end wide receiver pass catcher and Adam Moore, who's set to visit Syracuse this weekend and then decide on National Sign Day. But uh, this is a group that now has that younger mix of players in there. And it wouldn't shock me if they still tried to get a Juco or a transfer tight end in there to kind of bring in some competition, bring in, um, you know, some some more uh, uh, physicality to the position uh, and maybe somebody that can play with their hand in the dirt a little bit more. So um, tight end is is probably a portal position in the class of 2024 at this point. You flip over to the defensive side of the ball, and I think this group has the chance to be really intriguing uh, for a couple different reasons. I'll start on the defensive line, and I, I feel like when you look at the edge position, uh, one of the under-the-radar offers that went out this, this past week uh, was to uh, – uh, Zylan Scott out of Cedar Hill. He's kind of a 6'2-ish, 215-pound edge prospect who's kind of a stand-up linebacker. Um, had some really nice stats. Uh, I believe double-digit tackles for loss this past season uh, playing for Cedar Hill just in South Dallas. Uh, and so he adds an offer. He's starting to hear uh, more and more as his recruitment picks up. Colorado is a school he's going to visit in March. Same goes for SMU. Uh, he also has... Um, uh, a Colorado State offer, um, I believe a Texas State offer. So he's starting to pick up some recruiting attention this spring. Uh, and SMU is one of the schools that offered him. But then you also have that high-end prospect that we've been you know, talking about. They've, they've had Colin Simmons, the five-star edge and number one edge in the country, um, you know, on campus a couple of times. But I, that's a pipe dream, quite frankly. But then they have Logan Thomas, a four-star edge prospect out of Katie Paytow. I would kind of handicap that one as an SMU Texas Tech battle at this point. Um, Joey McGuire and his staff have done a really nice job, but I will say SMU was once again by there to, to Katie Paytow, as I'm sure Texas Tech and many other programs were. Um, but they did sign one of his teammates, Alex Kilgore, the linebacker that just enrolled at SMU uh, this month for uh, the spring semester to get his college career underway. Um, and, and, you know, Logan Thomas, somebody that I saw, uh, during, uh, the national combine in San Antonio, and he was one of the top perform performers there, a clear cut final five guy for, uh, the offensive defensive line groups. He's got length, he's got size, um, and, and really just, you can tell he's well coached, uh, with that PayTal defense with coach Hicks down there running the show. I feel like he's somebody that SMU's had on campus a couple of times. They have a connection uh, and they're going to keep working that. I mean, he is probably when you look at the defense, just kind of off the top of my head. Um, he's your top target. He's your top overall target. You know, a pure pass rusher from the state of Texas uh, who could grow into um, maybe a strong side defensive end, maybe, you know, kind of like a Devere Levelston. Um, he could grow into that. He's He's got that frame to do so. 
Um, you know, some some of these bigger colleges might not move on him because I believe he's around 6'3". Uh, they might want a little bit more length. But somebody like SMU, uh, they're going to be on him as hard as they possibly can uh, throughout this process. So um, you move inside uh, and somebody from a familiar program that they, they've had on campus a couple times, and that's Alex January. Uh, he's a three-star prospect, a big 6'4", 315-pounder who has offers from all over the place. He's a Texas legacy. Um, he's set to check out LSU in March. He was just in Austin for junior day. Uh, but if you're looking at you know, players that could maybe surprise, um, it would be you know January. I mean, this is, this is somebody that um, SMU is a dark horse for. He's going to check out TCU. He's going to see Miami. He's going to go to Oklahoma. Somebody will probably push hard for him. But I do feel like SMU, if they can kind of hang in there, you never know what happens in recruitments. And he's he's one of the ones that I would peg um, in terms of maybe SMU kind of hanging around for and, and just swinging for the fences. Um, so that's kind of the defensive line. I, I'll be interested to see who emerges as a top defensive tackle targets outside of an Alex January on that front, because yeah, it's always just such a hard position to recruit. It's very, very competitive, and you got to find the right guys. So um, at the linebacker position, this is a group that I, I really like what they're what they're doing. They're, they're after DeSoto linebacker Brandon Booker, uh, who likes SMU. He's probably going to swing by campus, but so does LSU. So does Oklahoma State. A lot of those programs, Texas Tech, I'm sure, um, he's going to be highly recruited, and he's coming off a terrific junior season for the Eagles. Um, does that loss of uh, um, Jaden Milner Jones kind of sting SMU a little bit and doesn't help as much that he's not, you know, headed to campus uh, to maybe, you know, help recruit Brandon Booker? Yeah, that probably, you know, p- plays a little bit of a role, but you also have a, you know, young, energetic recruiter coming into the linebacker room and Maurice Crum, um, along with the relationship Scott Simons has already built. You've got Keenan Hall and Ricky Hunley recruiting DeSoto. Uh, that could be one that maybe they surprise on. But they did um, send out a new offer to Shea Smith, the Franklin athlete, um, one of the best you know athletes in Texas, plays a little quarterback for them. Uh, he's somebody SMU's recruiting at linebacker, and he now has a full uh, Texas list of colleges after him. He's got Texas, he's got UTEP, or he's got Texas Tech, he's got UTEP, he's got Houston, and now SMU in the mix. So um, Shea Smith, somebody to watch. That offer just went out. Uh, this week, the SMU staff is by there to offer him, uh, again, kind of a winner. You know, they had Bryson uh, Washington, I believe, uh, if I get the name right, who ended up flipping to Baylor out of Franklin. So it's not like they're a stranger to the high school. Um, he's somebody that could be poised to blow up a little bit more this spring. But through the month of January, an all-Texas recruitment for Shea Smith, um, who's who's just kind of getting going on the recruiting trail. And then Brandon Jones uh, out of South Oak Cliff, a strong three-star prospect just on the edge of being a top 100 prospect in Texas. Um, He's got SMU, Texas Tech, Ole Miss, Louisville, uh, UCF offers. Um, SMU's now, you know, grabbed a couple of, a few golden bears um, off those last two state championship teams. And Brandon Jones is somebody that I would imagine they push for. Um, I I just feel like the way they have that pipeline going and the way he's played, um, that's somebody that they have to look at and probably say, okay, we're going to push for. When you move to the back end of the defense, the corners, the safeties, this is a group that 
really could be fun if they can hit it the right way. Um, Ricky Hunley uh, and now Scott Simons, who's leading the safeties. Uh, this is a group they're really <clears throat> picking up on in a big way. And they've had some big names on campus. You know, they've had your Alex Rogers. Uh, they've had uh, um, Mario Buford. They, they've, they've had all sorts of, you know, players, um, you know, on campus from this group and really highly touted ones out of the cornerback room. Uh, but uh, somebody that I saw in at Battle Miami, um, a pair of True Buzz teammates, really, uh, William Nettles, the Dallas Christian uh, defensive back. Uh, he played both ways at Battle Miami. SMU is one of the schools right there for him. It's shaping up right now to be a Baylor-SMU battle with Purdue kind of as a dark horse. He really likes Sam Carter, the defensive backs coach there for the Boilermakers, which, by the way, former SMU defensive coordinator. Kevin Kane is now the defense coordinator at Purdue. And Joe Deneen, his GA while he was at SMU, now there at Purdue. So kind of some SMU ties there. And then you flip over to Baylor and you have former SMU defense backs coach Kevin Curtis recruiting uh, William Nettles. So this is just the whole SMU uh, or former SMU kind of recruiting battle going on here. Um, and SMU has had him on campus probably as much, uh, I would have to guess, um, unless he made some quiet, silent visits. Uh, they've had him on campus the most. And he's been a top target for the staff for quite some time. I saw him at Battle Miami. I love his versatility. Um, I, I felt like he played well, reacted well, uh, and and his two-way tape from junior year is impressive. Um, if you're looking for like a, a realistic, strong three-star, potential to be four-star type of player that you can kind of peg from Texas, that SMU should probably be considered the favorite, or if not 1A, 1B, it's got to be William Nettles. And he plays his cards close to the vest. Um, I've tried to kind of get it out of him who's leading. So um, haven't been able to, but I get, got the feeling that it was a Baylor-SMU battle. It'll be interesting to see what happens on that one. Uh, somebody out of East Texas that I feel like SMU's been on um, and had him on campus and is pushing for is Pleasant Grove defensive back Akari Johnson. Uh, he's got um, UTSA, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Nebraska. His recruitment obviously starting to pick up as well. Plays for one of the best programs in the state of Texas, Texas in that Pleasant Grove uh, program they've got over there. Um, he's another option at cornerback. And then you kind of work down uh, the list here to the safety group. And this is where it can get really, really interesting. And you look at a couple of players that could grow into linebackers. And then you look at your, your pure safety type prospects. Um, two players that just picked up offers. Let's start with, or three, four. This has been a the, probably the most recruited position over the month of January. Levante Johnson out of C.E. King in Houston. Braylon Conley um, out of the Humble area. Paul Men Menke, probably butchering that a little bit, but out of uh, uh, Cibolo, uh, Chibolo, Texas, uh, goes to Clemens High School there. Miles Davis out of Converse Judson. Those are all guys. Um, and, and Tony Lewis, uh, Nakuba, those are so five, five new uh, players that they've offered at the safety position. And I think Levante Johnson um, and Miles Davis could grow into linebackers. Both are big, big dudes, um, both standing 6'2", already 185 plus pounds each. Um, I talked to Levante J Johnson. He's planning to take a visit to SMU uh, in March. So that'll be one to watch. 
Um, Houston's on him. He's got some offers now that are starting to really kind of pick up the pace um, on him with Ole Miss and Texas Tech being some power five flavor. Um, Ole Miss did have him on campus this fall for a visit. So those are a couple names to watch there. Then you get into um, your longtime targets. And I'll start with one that I spoke with over the weekend in Landon Cleveland. Um, his recruitment is going to be interesting. Nebraska just offered. That seemed to catch his eye. Texas and Texas A&M are talking to him. LSU is starting to show interest. He was just at L or he was just at Texas A&M for an unofficial visit. And now SMU's in the picture there too, along with Purdue. He he sounds like a somebody that can go a bunch of different ways, but I could see him playing an in-the-box safety, maybe kind of a will linebacker role at SMU if he ends up there. Um, Scott Simons was just on the phone with him. If you want the full story on Landon Cleveland, it's at ontheponyexpress.com. I just dropped it today for our subscribers. Tons of content on there, recruiting-wise. Uh, all the coaches stops on the road um, and all the new offers going out as well as their reactions to them. So lots of content on on theponyexpress.com. Landon Cleveland, somebody that um, I feel like SMU is is going to have to just kind of hang in there for. It might be one of those interesting recruitments, but he's a Mansfield legacy kid. He's close by. They just got to hang in there, maybe hope that a Texas, a Texas A&M doesn't offer, pull the trigger on that, and see if you can just get him on campus and reel him in. But one name, probably most realistic in a way, out of that safety room, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with Craig Niver's department, how Scott Simons picks this up. And we've seen, you know, some new offers go out. So could be a sign that things are a um, little bit in the you know mix here as, or, or in flux here as far as who the top targets are. But Ashton Williams out of Trophy Club, Byron Nelson, uh, has been a longtime SMU target, as well as Arlington Bowie safety, Chris Wacoma. SMU has been by see both. Texas Tech just entered the mix for uh, Chris Wacoma, who's been on campus a couple times now. Um, I really like him as a prospect. Uh, but then you have Ashton Williams, who's probably another one of those players that could end up as an in-the-box linebacker. Um, and, and going into his junior year, um, he's been really you know starting to pick up the pace with like a Texas Tech, Baylor. Um, there are programs kind of circling here and waiting to see what he does, um, maybe as a senior, maybe in, in spring ball and see if they end up, you know, moving on him as a prospect. But look, I, I feel like this, this class, um, and, and that's kind of wraps it up. Some of the notable prospects to watch in the class of 2024. Uh, but I feel like this class, the way they have it, you know, built right now, as far as what they're going to do, it sounds like they're going to target, you know, the best and not reach. We'll see. They're obviously always going to trust their evals. That's any coaching staff. Um, I would love to see them take a class of about 12 to 15 and call it quits. Um, and, and certain positions, I feel like nowadays you can just go into the portal and, and try to try to, you know, find players that already have a year of college under their belt to maybe supplant some of those misses instead of uh, taking somebody who uh, might be a little bit more of a reach from a high school perspective and you don't have as much data on. So um Class 2024, SMU is going to, this is the first cycle that SMU will have the Boulevard Collective to sell as well. Um, that 36K a year uh, NIL package that the football players are getting. Uh, it was not announced until pretty much after the whole 2023 class was done, um, save for Kevin Allen. 
And, and LaMadrick Spencer, funny enough, had already wanted to commit before the Boulevard Collective uh, was announced. He ends up committing this month. Uh, but this is the full, first full cycle with the Boulevard Collective kind of as something that they can, you know, publicize a little bit. Um, however, they do that. Uh, I'm not sure if they can really talk about it, but the the 2024 class knows it's out there and it could truly factor in to some of those decisions and, um, you know, prioritizing where those players visit, where they go see, things like that. So um, it'll be fun. It'll be another another recruiting cycle that we're about to get going on, dead period in February before it really hits full swing in March. So hope you guys are enjoying the content at ontheponyexpress.com. Uh, again, reminder, check out the details for our subscriber meetup um, on the site. If you are a subscriber to ontheponyexpress.com and bring a friend who then subscribes to the site, you will get a free month, so be sure to spread the word about that. And uh, let's talk recruiting. Let's talk team. Let's maybe not talk hoops. Uh, it's been pretty bad lately, but um, happy to talk about that as well when we get our subscriber meetup together. Um, details are at ontheponyexpress.com. Appreciate all you guys who have subscribed to the site. Leave us a uh, subscribe uh, or hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel as well. That's nearing 500 subscribers, so please uh, keep helping us grow that as well. So. Uh, Appreciate you guys listening. A little longer podcast for you guys today. We will check in uh, with a podcast on Friday. It'll be our latest spring football position preview pod, taking a look at the quarterback position and how that is looking for the Mustangs uh, as the calendar is nearing uh, a turn to February. We'll have it all covered for you on the quarterback position on the next edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend, everyone.